You're listening to NVC Voice, a podcast for Northwest Vista College in San Antonio, Texas. Hi, I'm a student at Northwest Vista College, and today you will be reliving a dilemma from many years ago that greatly impacted my perspective of the world. I call this event a pebble as the base of a castle. The west side of San Antonio is where my first nine years of life transpired. Stafford Elementary in the Edgewood School District is where I went for four of those nine years. It was the middle of January and the school year had gone uneventful in Mr. Hernandez's second grade class. Like most elementary school classes, there was a schedule set in place for what elective we would be attending that day. Today was Tuesday, therefore, gym class was our elective for the day. All morning, everyone in the class awaited a thrilling gym class to ease our hyperactive minds. As our class walked into the gym, single file, we saw the typical Dorito-shaped gym coach sitting in his small office to the right wall from the entrance. The gym was a small basketball court that had countless items of gym equipment against the sidelines. As we walked in, I turned to my friend Juan to tell him we should play basketball. Surprisingly, by my third step into the gym, there was a fist in my stomach that had just annihilated my insides, making the kalachi I ate for breakfast knock at the base of my throat. When I glance to my left, a world of confusion hits me when I see my classmate Diego is the cause of my aching stomach. Anger rises quickly inside of me and conceals the pain I am experiencing. Once he had dealt the blow, Diego had got to the center of the court before I could grab a hold of him. I sprinted towards him, and as he turned to run again, I caught him with my left arm in a side tackle, slamming him to the floor with me on top of him. I heard all 52 pounds of him hit the floor solidly. During the impact, the air could be heard rushing out of his lungs. Don't ever punch me again, I yelled in his face before walking over to the coach's office and telling him what I had just insinuated while he looked for his whistle. Principal Dominguez was a tall and slim white man that always dressed business casual. He had all three of us in his office, Diego, Juan, and I. After further questioning and hearing all three sides of the story, he decided our punishment. He explained that we were not to attend gym class for a month. At the time, I thought the punishment was absurd. How could he punish Juan for not doing anything? Why was I in so much trouble for defending myself? Twelve years later, I see he was just showing us what the real world might have done if a similar crime was committed when we were older. We could be the suspects or victims and still be punished because we would be guilty by association. For example, if you were riding in a stolen car but didn't know it was stolen, you could still go to jail or um, rack up a fine just for being in the car. I have learned to differentiate from my friends and acquaintances and choose the people I hang out with wisely. I also learned that self-control is essential to controlling a situation. If I was to simply keep my composure after Diego had punished me, then go tell the coach what had happened, I could have avoided having the same punishment as he did. In the real world, keeping your composure shows professionalism and makes you a better, more mature person. It shows you to act with knowledge and wiseness instead of simply by feelings. I have learned to appreciate Mr. Lemingus's decision and use it to better myself as a person. You're listening to KIRK Radio, the voice of Kirk. I'm Kirk. I'm your host. 
And today I'd like to read from you an excerpt from my memoir, The Fish That Granddaddy Caught. Top salesmen at my dad's company won prizes, including travel. Dad won often, so my parents traveled often. While traveling, my mom's parents would come and care for us. Around 1981, my parents took yet another trip. Grandmother and granddaddy loaded up their old yellow 74 Impala and drove from Tucumcari, New Mexico to Lubbock, Texas. When my grandparents arrived, my sister Pam and I begged granddaddy to take us fishing and he agreed. We loaded up the gear and headed to Quaker Lake. Once we got there, we unloaded and got set up. It was a typical West Texas day. Windy and dry, the sky was reddish brown. With lines in the water, we waited. I quickly caught a rowdy perch. I removed it from the hook and chunked that little fish as far as I could back into the pond. Granddaddy said, you know better than that. Why would you do such a thing? I looked down, feeling ashamed. Don't do that again or we will go back home, he pronounced. While feeling sorry for myself, Pam had a bite and caught a catfish. It was a fine fish, and I was jealous. She did not want to remove the hook from that little protesting fish, though. Granddaddy said, you need to learn to do that. Grab them with the fins between your fingers and grip firm. Now, pull that hook out. She complied and released the fish. Not two minutes later, I heard a loud sound like a whip hitting the ground and whoosh! Granddaddy's pole shot off, headed to the water. Adrenaline filled my body. My sister and I jumped up, screamed, pointing to Granddaddy's rod. He quickly grabbed it and set the hook. Pam and I were still jumping around like we were on hot coals, cheering him on as he reeled in that fish. But he was also laughing. It was a genuine belly laugh that I had not heard from him. It reminded me of how Santa Claus might laugh. That jovial, deep laugh from his gut was clear to us that our excitement and happiness brought him satisfaction and joy. He caught a carp, about six pounds, but it was the biggest fish we'd ever seen. It was a dark copper color, like an old penny with orange-red tips on the fins. Too excited to keep fishing, we wanted to rush home and tell grandmother. Once we got home, we took that smelly carp and laid it on the doghouse in the backyard and waited for grandmother because she had gone out shopping. While waiting, I realized that I had seen a side of granddaddy that I had not seen before. I learned that this strong, hulking man had a tenderness and softness that I had not seen before. This was the genesis of the way I see people even to this day. I learned that outward appearance is rarely an accurate reflection of what is inside a person. I always had respect for Granddaddy, but before this fishing trip, the respect was out of fear. Now I had a new respect, a respect out of appreciation and love. But at that time, I didn't understand it in those terms. Grandmother finally did arrive home, and with great pride, we presented to her the fish that Granddaddy caught. This is Matthew Shear. I am going to be reading uh, a memoir today, and it is over a topic that is super dear to me. Um, I hope you guys enjoy. 
the final goodbye. It was a beautiful Sunday morning filled with all the smells you would only dream of and a breeze that was cold but welcoming. Yet I found my eyes filled with tears that carried my deep sadness down my cheeks and a heart that weighed more than its own. Earlier that morning, I received a call from my mother. Matthew, I need to come to your grandma's. Your grandma isn't doing well and we just found out he might not make it to see tomorrow. Instantly, I grabbed my keys and walked outside. In that exact moment, I had tears running down my cheeks and I had a mind full of regret and sorrow. Almost as if I were blaming, my, blaming myself for my grandpa's old age, I sat in my car for 10 minutes before I finally made my way towards my grandpa, my grandma's, and all I could think about was why do bad things happen to good people? My mind was completely blank and my heart felt completely empty. My grandpa was a very smart, funny old man. He cracked jokes at the perfect time, which even if they were not funny, you found yourself smiling because of how silly and childish a 93-year-old man could be. He would walk into every room wearing the exact same pair of pants with a collared t-shirt and his worn down leather belt. Everyone knew when my grandpa entered the room because he always announced himself proudly. Everyone was always smiling and I had never seen anyone last more than 10 seconds against my grandpa without bursting into a smile or an uncontrollable laughter. My grandpa always carried around a little journal with all the jokes he wanted to use that day and he wrote his jokes or conversation ideas towards the front of his journal. My grandpa in my eyes was a leading character in my life yeah, he was about to get taken away from me in what feels like the blink of an eye. All these things coursed through my mind before I decided to walk inside. I was ready to face reality as I was ever going to be. I opened the door and I walked inside. Waiting there was my entire family from my mom's side. Any form of optimism I had when walking inside completely drained from my body. The air was filled with a sweet cinnamon candle my grandma had lit and the room was completely silent. My grandpa would have told me I needed to stay strong in moments like this. He would always say to me, when everyone around you is hurting, please use your smile and your heart to put their minds at ease. I never really understood what that meant until now. I decided not to question any of the things running through my mind at that point, and I smiled. Quickly, my grandma rushed over to me and pulled me into her arms. She was crying harder than anyone, and I instantly started crying as well. My grandma began to speak. That's exactly what he would expect from you. He told me you would do that. Her voice was shaky, but instantly everyone crowded around me and helped me, and I noticed the entire room felt calm and at ease. I instantly noticed everyone started to compose themselves, and I started to realize that there was no point in crying over a situation like this. My grandpa was relying on me to stay strong for everyone else. Finally, it was time for me to say goodbye. I slowly peeled off from everyone, and I walked shakily towards his room. Slowly opening the door, I heard my grandpa begin to speak. It's about time. I was starting to think he wouldn't come see me. Trying to hide the fact I was completely broken inside, I laughed. Softly, my grandpa began to speak again. We both knew this day was coming. I'm sorry I cannot stay longer, but I want you to know how happy I am leaving this life. Please take care of everyone for me. They will need your smile to get through this. I love you so much, so please live your life with no regrets and conquer everything you promised me you would. I'm holding it to you. Holding every bit of sadness inside my body, I released it all instantly. I stood up crying loud and obnoxious, reaching around my grandpa, I gave him the longest, deepest hug possible. I love you, I said, as I somehow gathered the strength to speak. I turned around and walked towards the door to leave, and my grandpa smiled and closed his eyes as I walked away. It was the exact moment that the door closed behind me that I noticed how important it is to never take anything for granted. You should cherish every moment you spend with your loved ones because you never know when your last moments with them will be. Treat every moment you have with anyone like it is the last and never let anyone feel unwelcomed or unhappy throughout their life. Even in his final moments, my grandpa taught me something I would hold with me forever.
Hi, this is Jin Fielding from Northwest Vista College. Have you ever thought about how you might you let others influence your actions and decisions? Well, today I want to tell you about a time where I was brave enough to not follow the crowd and I ended up getting out of trouble because of it. This is an excerpt from my memoir called Don't Be a Sheep Person. It was in, during my senior year of high school and my, I was on the varsity soccer team and we were doing pretty well and we were on our way to a district championship. My coach was a, a big guy and he had an even bigger heart. He told stories of how he grew up playing soccer in Germany on account of his father being in the military serving overseas. Whenever it was cold or rainy outside, he would just sit on the sidelines wearing shorts and a pullover and say it's just another nice day in Germany. It wasn't long before this became an inside joke among the soccer team. Whenever the weather was bad, we would say it's just another day in Germany. And everyone would laugh. One day when it was cold and wet on the field, we had a uh, practice and we were uh, coming down to the last few minutes and we were doing a scrimmage. Our coach yelled from the sidelines, next goal wins the game and the loser has to put up all the equipment. It wasn't long before one of our players on our team ended up scoring the winning goal and it was time to go inside. And the coach said, uh, when we were done, we would meet on the sidelines. My team started headed toward the sidelines and the other team started putting up the goals and the equipment. When I was at the sidelines, I noticed that my teammates were putting on their shoes and started heading towards the locker room. I asked them where they were going because the coach told us to meet on the sideline. One of them had turned around and looked at me and then he kept on walking. I wasn't sure what to do and I thought about heading in towards the locker room since it was so cold and it would feel nice inside the locker room. I hesitated for a second but then I thought about what it would be like if I had went inside I had gotten in trouble for following the crowd. I decided to stay out on the field and because of it my coach ended up going in and back into the locker room and my teammates ended up getting in trouble because of it. I will never forget this day. It was a really a turning point for me and I will always remember a time where I could have just followed the crowd but instead I decided to be an individual and not do what everyone else was doing. You've been listening to NBC Voice, a podcast for Northwest Vista College in San Antonio, Texas.